You're listening to the Collective Church podcast. For more information, visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad you can join us this morning. The title of today's preach is Faith, the Big Picture. And don't we need faith right now when everything is shaken and uncertain? But the fact is, we were born, you and I and Everybody was born for such a time like this. So over the last uh, months, God has been deepening and growing our faith as we felt it would be helpful and encouraging to connect some of the dots around the subject of faith. In this walk of faith, it can sometimes feel like you're walking down a, a narrow path, maybe bordered by high trees on the sides, a kind of dark, shady tunnel where we we can't see ahead very far. But then suddenly the path comes out into a clearing and there is a big panoramic view. This view, the, the big picture, gives context to the path and it helps us to understand its significance and meaning. So let's start by reading some of the verses, verses in the book of Hebrews. Yes, you probably guessed it, chapter 11 starting at verse 1 and reading uh, this first verse from the King James Version. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the NIV Bible, the verse is is expressed uh, a little differently. And read, I want you please read uh, the verse and then go on from there. Sure. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this verse is part of our theology. It's a verse we, many of us know off by heart. Um, We read it, we declare it, we stand on it. But seriously, I mean, for an outsider or someone a little bit more cynical, it kind of sounds like a description of someone living in La La Land, right? Mm. Um, So why is it such solid ground, such secure truth for us Christians in our belief? And I want to say absolutely with confidence, there is nothing like positive thinking about it, nothing random about it, because it is not our own faith that we're somehow trying to psych ourselves into. Our faith connects us with God. Our faith taps into his faithfulness. Don't you love that? Our faith taps into his faithfulness, taps into his nature, connects with his heart. This God that we connect with by faith is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, loving, dependable. What a wonderful thing that we can connect by faith to his heart, his plans, and his purposes for us. I wanted to just look again at that very well-known verse from Ephesians chapter 2. And let me read it for us again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So everything comes by God's grace. 
salvation, our whole inheritance, what we're empowered for, it's all by God's grace. But it's like faith is the hand stretched out to receive that which God has for us, that gift that he gives us, all the gifts that he gives us by faith. So the hand stretched out to receive the gifts of God's grace. Delicious, wonderful. That's what they are. Good, good gifts. And I want to suggest that there's something else that we stretch out for. When we stretch out in faith to connect with God, it's like holding his hand in a partnership. And I think that's a very beautiful thing. Um, yes, God, his presence, his grace surrounds us. It's behind us. It's before us. It's inside us. But there's also a very beautiful truth and a very beautiful assurance in knowing that we hold hands together in partnership so that he can accomplish his purposes and plans in us and through us. Certainly, God is powerful to do everything all by himself. He doesn't need us, so to speak. He could do it independently. But this God of love and relationship wants to work with us. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to feel and sense his love. And in this partnership, he wants us to experience those awesome adventures of faith with him. Hmm. Yes, it's uh, so very true. I mean, in, in any partnership, whether it's in, in marriage or in, in business, it, th those partnerships don't work if each person has his or her own agenda. Nor does it work in our relationship with Jesus. For our, our partnership with uh, Jesus to function well, for, for our faith to bear fruit and our prayers to be answered, we need to have the same agenda as he has. Makes sense, doesn't it? When, when his agenda becomes our priority and when we can surrender ourselves to him and focus on the big picture in his heart, not focus on the narrow path with the big trees on either side, but on the big picture Jesus sees already while we are still walking along the path uh, in the woods, the big picture that Jesus has in his heart, then there will be a shift in how we feel and how we act and how we live. And absolutely, I think that that communion, that deep fellowship and communion with him is just so vital and important because it's in that place that the Lord shapes our hearts and our desires to be like his. Um, it's where he synchronizes our spirits with his spirits in such a beautiful, beautiful way. And he brings our hearts and our thoughts in line with his purposes. Um, and then it's no longer about me, about my goals, only about my private dreams. It's actually about dreaming with God. Um, and in our partnership with Jesus, there's this beautiful harmony synchronizing, gelling in such a meaningful way. And then our faith has a clear path. So I love to think of it like this, that his faith through his spirit in us becomes our faith. 
And that's incredibly powerful. Mm. His faith becomes our faith as we lock hands with him. Mm. So true. I mean, I think it's important to remember as we partner with God in faith, that he is the senior partner, that he is the king. He is the father who loves us and we can trust him. We can trust him completely. He's all wise. He's all powerful. And his purposes and his dreams for us are bigger and better than anything we could come up with. There are no hidden agendas with him. All And, and all his plans and and, and what, he, what he does in our lives is always motivated by love. God is 100% trustworthy and we can totally depend on him. I think Rita has got a testimony, testimony about that. Yes, indeed. Um, I just think we don't realize enough, we're not enough aware of how much God blesses and enriches our life when we leave the working out of his purposes, the things that we're having faith for, but if we leave that to him to do in his way and in his time, he enriches us more than we could ever have thought about or asked for in the first place. There's a little anecdote, you'll remember it, because mm. it was in the early days of our, our marriage when we were house hunting. There was one house I just desperately wanted. I wanted this house. I prayed for this house. I put out my faith for this house. And we lost it. We put in an offer, it wasn't accepted, we didn't get it. And I, I felt really disappointed. But mm, I'm sure you know what's coming because many of us have had experiences like this. When we finally bought a house, I thanked God that he actually hadn't answered that first prayer because what he gave us was perfect. Oh. It looked like something that had been chosen by someone who knew me almost better than I knew myself. It was full of those things that made me happy and it was perfect for us. And it's just like God really, really knows us. He cares about us. He knows our desires. And if we'll trust him, he'll bring things about mm. in a way better than we ever could have. Mm. That's yeah, so true because biblical faith um, never exists in, in isolation. The, the present is linked with the past and the future. And we are exhorted in Scripture both to look back to the past and gain courage from what God did in response to faith then, and then to also look forward to all what, it, what God is doing and going to do in response to our faith now. So, Vida, could you maybe read uh, Psalm 70, 78, which is very appropriate, yeah. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, they in turn would tell their children. And then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds. Mm. Yes, and for, for the next 64 verses in that, that psalm goes on to describe the awesome, miraculous deeds of the Lord from the time of Exodus to uh, King David. And that psalm encourages us that we should not forget. We should always remember. And by remembering all the, law, the, all the Lord did for his people, 
we should be encouraged to know that the same God in his faithfulness can do the same in our lives and more. So when we, we, we then uh, read through Hebrews 11, uh, faith's hall of fame, as it is described, we are taken back to the beginning of man's history with God, starting with the example of Abel, and then brought right through uh, to our own personal um, journey with Jesus, who is, after all, the author and finisher of our faith. There's so much in this chapter to give us context for our faith by showing us the big picture, the big brushstroke of faith through the ages of time through to eternity. And there's really so much to encourage us and to speak right into our lives at this very present moment, to, to build us up in, in, in the faith we need for the difficulties and for the challenges we face every day, many today, but also just in our relationships and, and in our work situation, our finances, our spiritual life, and so on. I, I really encourage you to dig into Hebrews, into Hebrews 11 this week, maybe, and explore it more deeply with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you in your own time. But for right now, allow the Holy Spirit to give you faith for your situation through some of the words from this chapter as I read them and pick them out. These are God-breathed words <clears throat> that have the power to change our lives. Testimonies and accounts of God's grace and faithfulness in the life of others. Yes, others. But you and I can reach out in faith and say, Father God, do this in and for me. Amen. So let's look at some of the verses and, and see what faith does. In uh, Hebrews 11, in verse uh, 7, <clears throat> and I'm quoting from the Passion Translation from here on, it says, Faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation. So faith, what does faith do? Faith opens hearts to receive revelation. So we say, Holy Spirit, we ask you that you do that for us right now. In verse 8, faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call. And so he left his land of birth with only a promise. So what does faith do? Faith motivates action. We can obey and we can act because God's promise is completely reliable. He never breaks his word. Verse 11. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promises. And she tapped into his faithfulness, as Vida mentioned earlier. <clears throat> so faith receives God's miracles, and faith taps into his faithfulness. The one who has promised is faithful. And the author and origin of our faith rests in him. The authority, uh, rather than the author, the authority of our faith rests in him. So, you need more faith? Now, tap into his faithfulness. Dive in with faithfulness. 
Verse 17, faith operated powerfully in Abraham. For when he was put to the test, he offered up Isaac. Wow. No. Sure. Isaac, the very answer to his faith, which God had fulfilled for him, Abraham was prepared to lay down. Mm. It's incredible. I mean, the very answer to his faith. I mean, he had waited for years to have a son. God had fulfilled it for him, and Abraham was prepared to lay it down. So faith empowers us to do what we could never do in the natural. Mm. It propels us into the supernatural. Abraham, Abraham believed in the promise of God, but he was prepared to surrender the promise and even to see it die. He was prepared, prepared to surrender the promise which he had received and to see it die mm -hmm. because he believed in God's faithfulness and power to resurrect the promise. In verse 22, faith inspired Joseph and opened his eyes to see into the future and he prophesied. Mm -hmm. So faith enables us to see beyond the visible to what God sees. In verse 29, faith opened the way for the Hebrews to cross the Red Sea. He opened the way. First, for, uh, verse 31, faith provided a way of escape for Rahab to avoid destruction. So what does faith do? Faith makes a way. Faith reaches out for God to make a way. Amen. I think we all know the song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that is who you are. And that is the truth of it. I was going to sing it to you, but we just said, no, I can't. <laughs> this chapter in the book of Hebrews continues to list and describe many other heroes of faith. And then in verse, verse uh, uh, 33 and uh, 34, it says, Through faith's power, through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms and established true justice. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. Although weak, their faith imparted power to make them strong. Faith sparked courage within them, and they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling armies from another realm into the battle right here. You might remember Kirsty last week telling us about Gideon. So faith pulls the realities of heavenly realm into this earthly realm to manifest here in our own lives. Now in verse uh, 35 it says, that faith enabled others to endure. Faith enabled others to endure. And then we read about the list of atrocities and suffering and pain they endured while walking through the narrow path of the big tree, trees on, on either side, if, I, if you allow me to use that example again. But they had faith and they saw the big picture was coming up and they would know, they would experience God's promises. Mm -hmm. In verse, in verse 39, and then verse, uh, verse uh, 39 refers uh, to those men and women uh, as true heroes, heroes who lived in hope and in faith. Mm. 
without receiving the fullness of what was promised. They had faith, but they actually never received the promise for what they saw. And then in verse 40, it says this. Now, listen to this carefully. But now, God has invited us to live in something better than what they had. They, the heroes of the faith. Namely, the fullness of faith. And this is so that they, it says in, in, in the verse, so that they could be brought to finished perfection alongside us. Finished perfection alongside us, those heroes. So what is that something better that is mentioned in verse 40? Rita is going to tell us. The something better is definitely Jesus. Just imagine these heroes looking forward all their lives. They were looking forward to the Messiah, looking forward to Jesus. And we are living in that era of grace where Jesus came, he died on the cross for us. He shed his blood to save us, to make us completely new creatures in him and to make us those who could live with the spirit of God actually living inside us. The faith of God actually alive inside us. Fullness of faith, that is the era in which we live. And there we are, put right alongside those heroes of faith. And um, we have to just move right on to Hebrews 12, which is the next chapter there for the next verse, and look at the first verse, and this is what it says. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. And then, then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and with determination for the path has already been marked out before us. It's grand, it's wonderful, it's the big picture of faith and it is so exciting. It takes us from the present right into the future and eternity. These witnesses that have been referred to, that Helmut's talked about, they bear testimony to the power of faith and God's faithfulness in response to that faith. Magnificent. And here we are still running the race of life, as it were, um, and we're encouraged to let go of every wound. What are those wounds? Perhaps it's disappointment, hurts, even offenses. We're encouraged to let go of every sin, anything at all that hinders us, that holds us back, just to let go of that so that we can run so that we can do this thing, empowered by the faith of God. And um, those witnesses that surround us, I, I never imagine them as spectators, because they're certainly not. I, I always imagine them as actually cheering us on, saying, come on, don't give up, go for it, go for it. What God did for me, God can do for you. And I just think we can imagine them saying that to us today. Go on, what God did for us, he can do for you. And um, 
Helmut and I just felt like in closing to bring to mind some of the things that we felt was were on the heart of God for us today. Things that God wanted to highlight for us today, challenges and encouragements for all of us. And the first of those three points is we should stand upon the faith victories of those who've gone before, because that is where we are placed. And to be aware that we're standing in that place on the victories of all those who've gone before us and one spiritual territory, as it were. Um, I was raised on stories of courage and faith, Bible stories, and later stories of the heroes um, of our times. People like Dave Wilkinson, um, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, Mari Monson, mm. Corrie Tenboom. You can go on and on with the list. But reading their stories has inspired me and encouraged me in a way that I can hardly give credit words to um, uh, because it's just played such a big part in my life. And I'd like to encourage you to read their stories as well because I'm sure it would do the same for you. Also, what encouraged me hugely and what made a big impression on me was personal stories from my family. I remember one testimony of um, my grandfather and grandmother. By the way, my grandmother actually had, um, she got the Spanish flu in 1918 and then went on to have five kids. And this story of my grandparents, how they held out in faith um, when an epidemic, it was kind of an epidemic, it was like enteric fever that broke out in the rural area in which they were staying. And in the 1920s, 30s, there wasn't much medical help in that area. Their five kids were desperately ill. I mean, some of them maybe almost at death's door. One child I know was unconscious at home in bed for two weeks. It was really hectic. And how they prayed, night and day, they prayed for the health and healing of those children. And then the wonderful conclusion to that, that all of them not only survived, but lived wonderfully full, healthy lives. Um, it's always stayed with me. And so that I would like to encourage us with today, that we are become aware that we stand upon the faith victories of all who've gone before. And we can actually ask God, God, you did it in their lives. Do it again in my life. Do it again for us, God. You have been faithful before and your faithfulness never changes. Do it again. Do it again. And then the second point um, that we just felt to highlight was that God really wanted to remind us to steward the prophetic words and the promises that he's given to us to steward those well in our lives because those help us to see things from God's perspective, no matter what the circumstances or the season. They help us to see things from his perspective and to look with faith into the future. I mean, I literally have a piles of journals where I've recorded God's promises to me, prophetic words mm. to us. And I like to take time alongside the Bible to every now and then dip into those and reread them, pray over them, declare them over our lives. 
Um, and I believe that's really powerful because in that way, we are aligning ourselves, ourselves with God's thoughts, with his agenda, with his purposes, with his plans, with his dreams for our lives. Um, also, not only our own lives, but if you know the promises that other people have received or the prophetic words, it's wonderful to pray those, to stand on those words with them. That is agreeing with God. Um, and I'm reminded of that sentence. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. And that's what we want to do as we steward our promises and prophetic words well. And then finally, the last of the three points, and Helmut and I challenge each other and encourage each other on an ongoing basis on this one. God empowers attitudes, words, and actions that place full confidence in him. When we agree with God's words and his ways, we invite him further and deeper into our lives. And when we start to think like he thinks, just the sense of his presence becomes stronger and stronger. We can't afford to doubt, to worry, or in any way align ourselves with the enemy's plans. And this is how we encourage each other on an ongoing basis. We can't afford to fear, doubt, or worry. We're not agreeing with the enemy's plans. We want to agree with what God says, with what he is doing in our lives. And agreeing with him just opens the door for his miracle working power to come right in on that red carpet. So we want to share this with you today, and I'm sure you agree with us. Let's not seesaw between faith, fear, faith, fear, always not knowing what to expect, what, what, how will God be, how will, what will he do? Let's not have a divided heart. Let's expect him to do what he said, and let's trust him that he will be true to the promises he has made. I believe Jesus really wants us to focus on what we have, not on what we lack today. Even if it seems to be those little loaves and fishes that are insufficient, just remember what Jesus did with those. And as Chris Green says, in matters of faith, God wants us to have a glass half full mentality, a glass half full perspective. And I really agree with that. Mm. I believe he wants to invite us again today to take him literally at his word, to just cast our faith unreservedly on him. Yes. The promises he has made, the calling he's put in our hearts, his spirit working in us to bring our desires in tune with his heart and desires for us, for his good purposes, Let's just surrender our hearts to him so that he can do that and then cast ourselves unreservedly in faith on him, knowing his reliability, knowing how we can lean on him, how we can depend on him, how we can have absolute confidence in him. Is there a crisis blowing up a storm in your life? Are you in a hard place? Maybe you're not well. Maybe you're sick or in pain. And we want to suggest to you today that however desperate your situation, 
whatever obstacles stand in the way of your faith today. And I think we all have those. Mm. Choose trust anyway. Choose trust anyway. Tap into his faithfulness and make his faith your faith. Mm. Let's just adjust our inner lenses and let's remember the bigger picture. Whatever God is doing in us, in any of our circumstances, mostly difficult right now, he's also setting the stage to do something through us. Let's be expectant of that. I believe that with all my heart. And finally, if you can take this last sentence absolutely personally, he is present within you. And he has strategically positioned you for a big picture purpose. Trust him. Thank you for listening. For more information, visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za.